I'm Adam from F1 Fantasy HQ, and I'm joined as always by Rob from F1 Fantasy Hub. Rob, we had a week off from racing this week, and now it's time to get back into it with the Guitar Grand Prix. How are you feeling? Good. Um, I mean, in terms of F1 coming up again, super excited for Qatar, a little fatigued, uh, having been on the road uh, a little bit the last couple of weeks. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting back into the swing of things, not with just the fantasy formula, but um, just general content. So yeah, sprint race weekend, lot to be excited about. Max could also um, tie up the driver's championship from what I understand this weekend. So lots to look forward to. Absolutely. We have an action-packed show as always tonight. Let's review some of the things we'll discuss. We'll review the Japan Grand Prix from two weeks ago. Then we'll start previewing this week's race in Qatar. As always, we'll go through our fan amp picks of the week. And then we're going to talk about our lineup choices. And I think you'll notice some differences between Rob and I this week that we get to debate through. And as always, we'll talk about our Fifth Gear Garms giveaway for the week which we'll do as part of our live stream this Friday before lineups lock. So let's jump into the big headlines from Japan. And the biggest one for me was, ooh, before we get into that, I forgot we have big news. Rob is now Verstapp Goat, thanks to our contest winner, Robbie. So Robbie won $50 toward fifthgeargarms.com and he got to rename Rob's team. Yeah, look, I there are certainly worse names to have as your as your fantasy team and Max has been put in has been putting in some otherworldly performances lately um, as well uh, in fantasy too. So hoping he can continue that good form um is certainly a, a case to be made for certain chips um, for Max this weekend too. So He's my DRS boost week in, week out. I hope with him as my team name and as my DRS boost, that's a good omen for Qatar. So thanks for the name, Robbie. Um, let's let's get it this weekend. Very appropriate for this weekend. All right. Now back to Japan. So the number one story had to have been the double podium from McLaren. This was Lando's fourth P2 finish of the year, and he has back-to-back 30-point fantasy weeks. And he's now the most, the fourth most popular driver in the game, owned on 29% of teams. But Oscar Piastri stealing the show with his first podium of the year, which means, Rob, that you have to do a shoey on this Friday's live stream. Have you picked out your shoe yet? I have not picked out my shoe. I can tell you right now, it's not going to be uh, a Birkenstock because that is going to go all over the place if I try to pour a beer into that. Um, but you guys will get the shoe reveal and the beer reveal on stream on Friday. I've been low-key looking very forward to this, um, not just because I get to drink a beer, but also just because um, that Australian podium has been, um, I guess, waiting in the wings for some time. And it's great to see Oscar finally make that breakthrough with McLaren. He's been very deserving of a podium, um, certainly in the last kind of half dozen or so races. Um, and, it's it's nice to see him justly rewarded for some of the performance he's been putting in so far. A great result for his fantasy owners too. 35 points is nothing to, to bat an eye at. So across the board, a pretty, as you say, handsome outing for the McLaren boys um, in Japan. 
What's interesting is that Piastri is still on fewer teams than Stroll and Hulkenberg. So he may still be a secret weapon in some leagues for folks that haven't caught on to it yet. Meanwhile, McLaren is the third best constructor for points per million. And at 6.2 million increased since the start of the year, it's the fastest growing asset in the whole game. So really all three McLarens are turning in great, both in terms of points and price increase. Yeah, I really can't see that changing anytime soon either. I still think for what they're priced at, it's certainly excellent value, 15.3. For what you're getting in terms of podiums and points performances every week is sensational value. Uh, And not to mention, you know, they have had um, a habit lately of picking up, you know, fast pit stop points, driver of the day points for obviously Landor or Oscar specifically if they get that. Um, And at that price, I certainly think there's probably a few more price rises on the cards. There's also the expectation that um, the car is going to be quite suited to Qatar, which we could probably get into a little further down the road. But um, if everything goes to plan for them this weekend, as I kind of expected in Japan too, um, I have no doubt in my mind that all three McLaren assets will be on the rise this coming weekend as well. And so with both McLarens on the podium, someone had to get knocked off. And it was a podium mainstay in the first half of the year in Sergio Perez. He had a very strange day. He lost two places right from the start, damaged his front wing, pitted for a new wing, then collided with K-Mag shortly after that. Then he pitted. We thought he was going to get another wing, but then they retired the car learned that they were going to get a penalty that would then be deferred to this race this weekend, unretired the car, and then he served the penalty. So really smart thinking by Red Bull, but a very bizarre scene because it went down as a 41-minute pit stop, second only to Botas in Monaco in 2021. So very weird scene for Perez. Yeah, it was a pretty disappointing weekend uh, on all accounts for him. I mean, qualifying... Um, P5 is not a terrible result, um, but Red Bull was expected to do quite well in Japan. Um, and I think P5 is probably three or four positions short of where most people would have expected him to put that car. And then, as you said, like that incident with Magnussen, just terrible timing, just not something you'd expect from such an experienced driver. It's it's the kind of move that's been described to me, funnily enough, as something you'd you do in F1 22 or F1 23, whatever it might be. Don't think you're going to take any damage on the inside line and then just continue on down the road. But like to pretty much T-bone K-Mag, spin him around. Um, it's, it's something you could easily, or Perez could easily have done just on the straight and overtake very simply there, but instead tried to kind of force something that wasn't really ever on to begin with. So um, that coupled with, you know, pit, pit lane debacles. I think he had a couple of other scraps or incidents on the track with Hamilton and maybe one or two other drivers. So, yeah, not not a great weekend across the board for Checo. There's some optimism I think we can have for Qatar, but I'm not going to get too carried away just yet based on what we've just seen in Japan. It was definitely a weekend of what could have been for Perez. Verstappen was over 19 seconds clear of second place. And so that Red Bull was really flying after a difficult race out in Singapore just before that. So Perez will definitely be lamenting what could have been there. And, you know, around the the rest of the grid, we predicted that there weren't going to be many DNFs because Japan has some wide runoff areas, few DNFs in the past. 
but we were treated to five in this race, Perez being one of them, but also Botas, Stroll, Albon, and a budget driver that's in some hot water this year in Logan Sargent. And I think that's a great segue into our budget driver review from last week. Sargent, he failed to record a qualifying time, so he lost five points on Saturday. He DNF'd in the race, scrapped back through for a couple of overtakes. So he finished with minus 21 on the day. And on the season, his total point scored is negative 19. Yeah, it's awfully frustrating, not just um, as a fan, but for him as well. But if we focus purely on Logan Sargent as a fantasy asset, I went into the weekend going for the triple Rebel, triple McLaren. I think that was the meta for that weekend for most engaged strategists. Uh, and I think it was the right move for the most part. Um, Perez's DNF aside, I could only really get to him or Hulk. I had to pretty much flip a coin. Um, and I went for a driver which I know had struggled with consistency a little bit through the season, but I've been burnt by the Hulkenberg, you know, minus five or however many points he loses when he qualifies in like P7 or P8 and just hope Logan might be able to string together a performance that might put him around P15 for a couple of overtakes and positions gained. But as soon as he had that not classified in qualifying, I pretty much had my head in my hands and that, pretty, that carried forward into the next day. It was particularly disappointing as a fantasy owner. And if um, if it wasn't already obvious enough, uh, I'm someone who's not going to touch him with a 10-foot pole for the rest of the season. So, yeah, not great. Um, and then on the to the contrary, Hulk, 10 points, uh, really good result for him. As I said, he's a known asset that has typically struggled um, this season in that house that does have great qualifying pace. But... You know, he didn't score any points in qualifying because he didn't make it um, into the top 10 this weekend. Had a couple of, had six overtakes, which is pretty good for his standards and four positions gained. So a handsome return for people who were willing to take a punt on him. Um, so yeah, I'm currently stuck with Sergeant and looking at what to do with him this coming weekend. Yeah, you'll notice that it was a pretty slow weekend for the budget drivers. Hulkenberg led all of them with 10 Joe, who's usually standard in our lineups, had eight. Yuki Sonoda had two. It was really just a matter of, did you avoid the DNFs? Did you gain places because you started below them? Or did you lose a few places, like in the case of Sonoda? So it was a pretty slow week, but I think with three DNFs coming up in the next four weeks, you're going to see a lot more spread between the budget drivers since you'll have both the Sprint and the Grand Prix for positions wow. gained and overtakes. I think that's where you'll start seeing some of those standout performances. Sure. For sure. Yeah, very, very interesting that Sergeant was the only budget driver with a DNF. Usually there's a couple in the mix, but a lot of those drivers that we've tried to avoid recently in, you know, Stroll, Boltas, even Albon at the non at the at the circuits that are not necessarily all straight line, they've had pretty underwhelming weekends. So lucky for you, not so much for me. And speaking of our teams, a great comparison coming up next on how we looked last week. Basically, the difference between my team and Rob's team was budget forcing me to run Yuki, forcing him to run Sargent, and that ended up being a lot of a difference there. The end result was, for the first time this season, I've leapfrogged Rob in the global standings, 
but it wasn't a terribly proud week because it's also the first red arrow for my team since Canada. So wasn't all good news, but we're just inching our way a little bit closer to the top of the standings. Yeah, look, I think um, for the most part, you know, we're pretty week in, week out, even with one another. And I think that's just a sign of the times, given that we're very engaged and locked in with you know, how drivers are performing and their performances in, in practice as well. Um, again, yeah, great. I mean, obviously not a great result if you've got a red arrow, but you, as, you, as you said, you, you jumped me and my rank halved from 3.2 to 6.7, I doubled, should I say, to 6.7. So um, not great considering I was really looking to push for, for 1K. I still don't think that's out of reach, um, but it just means a more kind of strategic approach with utilizing the remaining chips um, in my pocket for the rest of the season. I imagine you've set yourself a pretty similar standard to close out the year. Absolutely. And one last point I wanted to make on this was the return to form for Max Verstappen. After Singapore, we had a lot of questions on why Red Bull looked as slow as they did. I had speculated maybe it was technical directive 18 with the flexi wings. Maybe that put Red Bull at a temporary disadvantage. They really put all of that to bed. It must have just been race-specific setup, not getting every inch of the car that they needed to because Max was flying in, in Japan. A really tremendous race. And in the whole weekend, he just looked extra fast. Oh, his qualifying performance was absolutely incredible. I think he was you know, a full half second or so ahead of second place in qualifying. So he, I think he came to Japan with a point to prove I have every expectation he's going to try and continue that in Qatar to close out the Drivers' Championship this weekend. And there was a little bit of chatter on, on X Twitter and even YouTube around whether or not he was a viable asset to own for the re remainder of the season after that 25-point performance in Singapore. I have always kind of taken the lens that it is someone you write off at your own risk. Max has that pedigree. He's very proven, not just as a driver, but as a consistent fantasy performer as well. So I was reluctant and trying to talk anyone off the ledge if they were considering dropping Max for a more maybe balance, I wouldn't say balanced or more balanced team because we are at a point where we can make our team quite balanced, but and kind of add a few more potential race winners to the mix. Um, but he went to obviously town um, in Japan and I can't really see him really falling out of the template for the rest of the season. And off of the back of last race where he looks so strong, it it's a great, bridge to the point I want to make leading up to Qatar this week. One of the big questions a lot of us have is Sainz versus Perez. Who is going to be the best number two driver for this race? And first off, kudos to Red Bull again for saving Checo the five second penalty to start this race. And I'm going to give Checo one more week because there are two points that really help support his case. The first is that Losale very closely represents Suzuka in terms of the speed of the track. It's got a lot of high-speed corners, high degradation. These are attributes that suit the Red Bull car and Checo's driving style quite a bit, so I think he's a safe choice there. And when the data on the hard and medium tires, the C1, C2, that they're also bringing this week, Max looked really a cut above the rest. And I think if Red Bull can really dial in their strategy for Checo, 
I think that could really help them this week. Secondly, what you see on the screen here is a look at the combination of drag, downforce, and speed to ultimately determine how fast a car is going to be and how efficient it is. And you can see Red Bull is really a cut above the rest, and that explains the great performance from Max all the way through. And so I expect a lot of these themes to carry over to this week because of how similar the tracks are, and I'm hoping Perez can channel just a tiny bit of what Max has there. Look, I can't fault any of the points you've made, and I think Perez remains an extremely viable fantasy option heading into Qatar for, for what you've obviously set out. I think this is kind of where we are differing just a little bit heading into practice um, on Friday, and my mind or my opinion could be certainly swung either way by the time we get to the deadline. But I guess I dived into a few different statistics this afternoon to take a look at the Perez signs breakdown if we're looking at them numerically, statistically, in a vacuum, Perez, um, over the last five, Perez has only scored 72. Signs has 124. It's pretty well documented. Carlos is the man in form at the moment across just about every driver on the grid. Their season average, when you look at that against their race average, is a complete kind of 180 from what we've seen in the last five or so races. Um, and I think what is most interesting to me is the fact that even though Carlos has still qualified quite well and Checo hasn't had a great qualifying, a P3 or higher since Belgium, Carlos is still making more overtakes per race. And I think that's a product of the fact that this Ferrari has really evolved in the last kind of four or five races. He's put them back on the map squarely with obviously that victory um, two weeks ago or two races ago um, and multiple driver of the day nominations um, as well as that. So I think there's certainly a case to be made as a standalone driver. Perez is obviously struggling for form, but I think, you know, that, that, that track could really work to Red Bull's favor and bring him back kind of into the fray for a podium. Um, and he is also quite well known to manage his tires at a circuit like Qatar, which has a much higher degradation um, just because of the, the track, uh, sorry, track temperature in the desert. So, I think you could certainly swing it both ways, and I just don't know if one practice session is going to be enough to draw a, a viable conclusion. So I'm in two minds at the moment, but as we will go into later, I'm, I'm just on Carlos for the time being. And one, one thing I'm looking out for with Perez, later this week, Ryder will publish his price change algorithm for this race. I suspect after losing 0.5 million for from Japan that Perez would be a candidate with maybe an average or above average race to regain that plus a little bit. So I'm trying to figure out the right point. If I hold on to Perez, he loses value. I let him go. He gains that value back. I'm trying to, to find the best way to manage my budget all the way through too. So I do feel a little bit tied to him, but also if that pricing algorithm suggests he's not a candidate for a big game this week or his free practice one looks particularly lost, I may overreact just to one practice session because I do have an itchy trigger finger with him at this point. Yeah, I, I definitely have the same, um, for better or for worse. I, I, I can look at three practice sessions worth of data and for the most part, the third one probably drives about 70% of my final decision, unfortunately, but that's kind of how it is because of the fact that, you know, with a practice session, there's more things that are tested and tried with the tires and the car set up. So 
let's see what Friday brings, but um, I, I certainly think you can't really make a wrong decision um, with either of those two drivers. Um, and I guess we'll get this get into this a little bit more in our team selection, but part of the reason why I'm going with Carlos is just because of the, the budget drivers I'd be stuck with if I have Perez. Um, so I got burned by one last week. I've been burned by them in the past. So I think it's just for me a matter of that consistency and reliability more than anything else. That makes a lot of sense. And one other point related to this is some of you out there still have your 3X chip. I wonder if this is a good week to use it or not, because obviously the 3X will go on max, but then who does your 2X move down to? This is a pretty contested debate we're having right now between Sainz or Perez. I suppose you could add Lando into this mix too, but until a more obvious number two driver comes to pass, I'd be less willing to use the 3X, perhaps save it for Coda or for Brazil. Yeah, I think that's the dilemma. Um, not that I'm grappling with it, but that many strategists are. And it, I think the same conundrum can also apply to the limitless chip to a certain degree. Um, insane, only because of the fact that McLaren are also expected to perform quite well at LaSalle. So given that, you know, many of the top 10K strategists have you know, at least a double Red Bull and a double McLaren in their lineups, maybe even uh, triple for both. It doesn't really have a lot of upside to use a limitless chip unless you're really going against the grain and expect Mercedes to do well, which I don't think they necessarily will at this circuit. So I'm thinking I'm going to push back my limitless use to at least Coda, if not Brazil. Um, And I think you should apply the same kind of lend with using the extra DRS boost for the same reason until there's clearly a defined number two to, to take that second or third. Agreed. Let's talk now about the little history we know about this circuit. So they've only raced here once before in 2021. This was in the heat of the Lewis versus Max title fight. Lewis won the race. Max came in second and stole fastest lap. Really, the talk of the town that day was Fernando Alonso in a pretty underperforming Alpine that year. He finished P3 and through some really tenacious defense, won driver of the day as well. So some interesting notes from that last race. There were only two DNFs that were both due to tire failure. So nothing really scary for those of you that still have no negative. You could holster that for another race. So I'm interested to see with so little data on this track, so little history from these drivers, how things will fare this weekend. Yeah, I think Alonso and Hamilton obviously had excellent races uh, in Qatar two years ago. Do we expect either of them to feature on the podium this weekend? Perhaps not. Uh, Again, to my point earlier, Mercedes are not expected to do quite as well as maybe some of the other teams. And the story with Aston Martin lately is well documented. Alonso's doing everything he can to lift that that green car into you know a competitive position, but I just think the lack of upgrades they've brought um, and the I guess the evolution of the cars that their competitors have obviously experienced has put them at a pretty difficult juncture. So I think Max, the obvious candidate to do quite well here um, in terms of the actual track circuit and how that favors a lot of the teams. I think, as we've touched on already, it's going to be quite good for McLaren. Not a lot of low-speed corners. In fact, only one uh, slow-speed corner, which um, is about turn six or seven. My eyesight's not great on the map. 
Um, but it's that little V-shaped one um, in the second sector. So uh, that'll obviously, the lack of those slower speed ones will be good for McLaren and Red Bull. Um, and I think the, the main straight coming along um, the bottom there, it'll, it'll, I think Ferrari is going to obviously thrive there. Um, and I think Red Bull should obviously do quite well too. But as you've already touched on, Adam, very similar track layout to Silverstone and Suzuka. So surprise, surprise, McLaren did quite well there. I'm expecting them to put in another stellar performance this weekend. Absolutely. And for this weekend, Pirelli's already published their tire report. Nothing we haven't covered so far besides the high evolution of the track. Pirelli have rated this a four out of a five in their report which could mean that both in qualifying and the sprint shootout, you might see some of those late session surprises. Really perfect timing on your last flying lap. One of those things where if you're holding on to that flying lap, someone red flags the session, you could find an elite driver out unexpectedly early. So could have some excitement in those sessions, might even trigger some candidates for the final fix for those of us that aren't using a chip this weekend so far. Yeah, I've, I've never really given a lot of thought to the final fixed chip, but obviously that doesn't implicate the sprint or sprint shootout at all. It's still very much just the Friday and the Sunday for qualifying in the race. So if you do see a driver um, that you think is not going to perform quite as nicely on Sunday and get them in, just make sure in some cases you've got enough budget left because you can only swap one out um, and you can't swap out your constructor either. So uh, something to keep in mind, but uh, I haven't, um, got that left in my pocket so can't really provide too much of a, a, a bias here <laughs> and one of the things that makes this race interesting are the high temperatures and even though this is a nighttime race it's going to get quite hot during the day and so it'll be interesting to see if any of that residual heat on the track will add to some of the tire degradation woes that you had mentioned a little while ago rob but finally we have a race with zero chance of rain. So at least there's no threat of, of precipitation this weekend. No, definitely. Definitely. I mean, what, what do you think in terms of the, the tire, te uh, the track temperature and tire degradation, obviously Ferrari and Haas are probably the standout candidates to suffer a little bit there. Is there anyone else you've got your eye on? Or are those probably the two main suspects from what we know so far? You know, I give Ferrari a hard time for this and I kept extra, eyes on them for japan and they actually did a pretty good job managing those tires when you look at the stints between them and the other front runners they were right neck and neck with everybody at the top so i think ferrari managed those tires really well haas did find themselves they had one driver an alternative strategy one driver that was pitting i think two or three laps before their peers from where they were in the grid so i think haas is right holding on to that title as a tire killer but maybe I should ease up on Ferrari a little bit because they did look pretty good in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess they're, um, I mean, I can't speak necessarily for Carlos or Charles in terms of how well they manage their tires, but if the the rest of the car um, evolving over the last few races is anything to go by, hopefully that translates to the tires as well. But I think it's very much a wait and see for now. Good point. Let's move on now to the fan amp picks of the week. Since there's a sprint weekend, we have three questions for you this week. The first one is, which team is knocked out of qualifying first? And so you have basically the middle and bottom of the grid with a couple of front runners. 
I'm going to go with Alfa Romeo here. I think Joe has found himself at the bottom of Q1 enough times. I think he would be pretty safe. And all you need is really one bad run from Botas to have them both out in Q1. And I think that's the only constructor that I'm that confident that that'll happen for. I was thinking the same um, for the same reasons you've mentioned. Joe has qualified, well, both both drivers have qualified quite poorly in a number of races or qualifying sessions of late. Uh, and I think that will definitely continue. But for the sake of being a little different for this one, I'm going to say um, Alpha Tauri. I think um, it's a circuit that's only been raced out once. Lawson hasn't driven there. Sonoda's only had one race there. Um, a sprint race weekend, Yuki does have you know quite an aggressive driving style when he's on form, but sometimes that is to his detriment too. Um, so I wonder if if that is going to mean anything to his qualifying performances as well. Perhaps, perhaps not. I could be proven wrong, but I'm going to say Alpha Terry for now. And it was announced yesterday that Liam Lawson will drive this weekend. There was some rumors that Daniel Ricardo was going to test things out in the simulator this week, see how he was feeling. But it looks like he'll be dusting off his 10-gallon hat and get ready to make his debut at Coda in two weeks. So on to question number two. For the sprint, does Max clinch the world title during the sprint? I think he does. There are a few very easy permutations of how he does it. It's... I think he has to finish sixth or higher or Checo has to not finish in the points for it. I think either of those are, are likely enough that we'll see Max as a third time champion. And interestingly, this will be the first time ever that someone has clinched the title on a sprint weekend. So a very interesting new feather to the cap for Max. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Max uh, has put in some really solid sprint performances this season as well. 14 points in Belgium, nine in Austria, and eight in Azerbaijan. So I have every confidence he'll close that out um, in, um, in Qatar. Good. Let's move on to our final question is who puts more laps on their starting tires, Alonso or Perez? And so for me, I'm going to go with Perez because Number one, he's a really gifted tire manager. But I think also last time out in Japan proved that the soft tires are probably not going to work. So even if you find yourself a little bit lower on the starting grid and need to go with an alternative strategy, the softs aren't going to be a part of that strategy. So I see him starting on either mediums or hards, and that will just lead to a longer stint for him. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree on this one again too um, for the reasons you mentioned um, as well as the fact that if he does put in that qualifying performance on Friday that we expect from him at the circuit in that car, he'll probably want just as a little bit of confidence boost, a few laps kind of at the front or close to the front if he's able to keep a position that's kind of on the second row or around there. So uh, I, I think... Um, I don't think his strategy, if, if all things go to plan, is going to be vastly, if, if at all, different to Max's. But I think just for confidence reasons, to get kind of him back in the mix for a podium, staying out a little longer with obviously how well he manages his tyres, as you pointed out, um, should hopefully give him a boost to, to contend for a top three by the end of the race. So we agree on two out of the three. Not bad. Let's move on now to our lineups for this week. 
where we diverge a little bit. And Rob and I have hinted at this in some of our chatter earlier in the show. Right now, I'm going to roll back the same lineup from Japan with all three Red Bull, all three McLaren, and then basically Yuki by budget. Otherwise, I'd have to go down a class to the Sergeant Hulkenberg group. So just hoping for Yuki to keep it on the rails, gather some overtakes, planning on another strong weekend from Red Bull and McLaren with Perez also keeping it on the rails. No chips for now. Yep, no chips for me either for the time being, unless practice or anything else brings a surprise on us. Um, my budget has really fallen by the wayside the last couple of weeks, which is not great because as you can see on the screen, the only point of difference is Sainz versus Perez. Um, and I'm capped out at zero million in the bank spare. So not overly stoked about that with a few races left. And I think you'll see teams with higher budgets have that extra flexibility to pivot into more balanced or viable lineups. Um, but I think, as I pointed out earlier, um, Carlos has statistically performed much better than Perez the last few weeks. Uh, I think there's certainly elements to that track that will work in favour of the Ferrari. As long as they can keep the tyre degradation down, I think they're a great shout to be you know, in the mix for podiums. Um, as far as Yuki, I know I mentioned earlier, sprint races is where he can do his best or sometimes his worst. He had a great, he had a couple of really good um, sprint performances the last couple of seasons. Um, but I'm in a situation where it's a toss up between him, Hulkenberg, and Sargent. Um, Sargent, for me, as I said, not touching him again. Um, Hulkenberg, if he can manage his tyres, then great. But I'm just worried that's not necessarily a possibility. Um, at LaSalle, and so that leaves me with Sonoda, but I still think of those three still the best um, best driver in that category, so um, that's where I land for now. You bring up a good point. I wasn't able to afford Signs plus Joe, but if you can go from Perez to Signs and then drastically improve Sonoda to a budget driver that's known for picking up a lot of overtakes like a Joe, mm. perhaps that's one way to talk me out of, of a Perez this week. Yeah, I mean, that was what I had flexibility for last weekend, and we've seen both Joe and Signs go up um, 0.8 um, combined. So it's a little frustrating when you have a lineup that is very viable, and then one weekend's performance prices you out of that entirely. So stuck with probably the, the Aldi version of what I'd love, but um, that's... That's all right for now. And this is the first time we've reminded our listeners that FP1 is happening on Friday. Lineups are going to lock on Friday. So make sure you get your lineups in nice and early. And if you're having some questions about your lineup, join us on our live show this Friday. It'll be one hour before qualifying, which is noon Eastern. And that's where we'll launch our next contest sponsored by fifth gear garms so if you answer in our fan amp base who scores more points this week signs or perez rob and i have laid out the evidence for both sides of the case so we're really interested to hear what our strategists in the community think so we'll be summing up what the community says on that live show the winner is going to receive another 50 dollars to fifth gear garms and then they'll have the chance to rename either mine or rob's team i think in previous weeks we had picked whoever scores the fewest points. That's why it was Rob last week. 
But moving forward, whoever wins this contest can pick whose team they want to change. Do you want to change a stroll in the park for me or Verstappen goat for Rob? Well, have you got have you got a view on who scores more fantasy points this weekend, or do you want to save that for fan amp? I'm going to save that for our fan amp channel. Yeah. Great, great idea. I'll stick it the same. And then we'll report back as part of the show on Friday. I'm sure it's the question we're going to get the most between the signs versus Perez debate and do I use a chip? I suspect we're going to be quite busy come Friday. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And last but not least, we want to read another five-star review. This one comes to us from Menace McGee the third, who says, quote, this podcast is a must listen. I love formula one racing and this podcast is jam packed with information. I'm always looking for a leg up in fantasy sports. So lucky for me, I found Adam and Rob. 100% worth your time. Phenomenal content. Thank you very much, Menace. And if you want to be featured in this space next week, by all means, head on over to Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star review so we can get into more ears around the world. That's all for this week. I want to thank Fifth Gear Garms for sponsoring our show once again, feel free to use our code FANTASY10 for 10% off your next order on fifthgeargarms.com. And until Friday, we'll see you around.